0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome into Odds On. I am Mike Palm. He is Amal Shaw. Big Wednesday show. We'll have our buddy Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports join us in about 30 minutes. We'll talk some wild card weekend games, Amal. How about all the coaching news over the last few days in the coaching carousel in the NFL? Interesting from the perspective you can now take advantage of it, uh, betting. MGM has odds up for next head coach at a lot of these vacancies. Let's start out with the Raiders, though. We're seeing some money as they play the wildcard game Saturday in Cincinnati, the 5-4 game in the AFC. Seeing some money come in on the Raiders here. This this line was six yesterday. It's down to five. I want to ask you from this perspective, has Rich Bisaccia earned the full-time coaching position for the job he's done since Gruden uh, resigned?
3: You know, I don't know, and the reason I say that is you've got to give this team a lot of credit for what they've been able to overcome, and he's obviously the one in charge, so you give him a lot of credit for that. But uh, I think this is something internally they have a far better understanding of because so many times, Mike, you know, when a coach, a head coach moves on, it's not as big of a loss as when you lose the coordinator in certain situations. It depends on each program. It can be different. Some schools, you lose a head coach. It's a huge blow, whereas the coordinators leave. It doesn't make a difference. We've seen it with Alabama consistently. Um This team has been better under uh, Rich Passaccia than they were under John Gruden. There's no denying that. But is he the long-term answer? I think if they win this playoff game, I think he's going to end up with the job full-time.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there as well. I think he might end up with it whether they they win or not. And it might have to do with how competitive they are in the game as well, right? Remember, they got beat by almost 20 points at home to Cincinnati um, uh, not that long ago in the season. I want to talk about the other coaching jobs. Um, that are available and then who you think might have the inside track. And is there any bets that might be inspired uh, based on that? We have the giants. We know finally they let go Joe judge. I mean, it looked like he was tanking himself the last few weeks of the season, shocking development with Brian Flores getting fired uh, in Miami. We knew Zimmer was going to be out in Minnesota after they disappointed this year. Nagy. I think we both knew probably at the halfway point of the season, he wasn't coming back to Chicago, Fanny pack, Vic Fangio gone in Denver and we know Urban Meyer resigned uh, or was fired in Jacksonville. Let's take a look at some of the different odds. And let's start, uh, let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguar position. Byron Leftwich, uh, former Jags quarterback, the favorite right now at plus 450. Interim coach Daryl Bevel, the second choice. Your thoughts on the Jacksonville job, Amal?
3: Well, the first thing I would advise is if you're going to take this job, and this is part of the key in coaching, is knowing what job you're getting into. And do you believe you can win with this team? Or are there just too many holes at this point in time to be successful? Because it seems like year after year, this team continuously struggles. They're not able to get on track. Uh, If I'm Byron Leftwich, I I would almost rather wait for a better head coaching opportunity. You know the one thing that you see this in college all the time? A person takes a head coaching job at School X, and then they think, "Okay, great, I'm going to make a lot more money, which I understand the monetary uh, situation. That's why you take the job. But then you get fired. And then you fall down that ladder so far, Mike. It's not like you're going to get a coordinator position in Alabama or one of these other schools. Usually you wind up as an offensive line coach or something like that elsewhere. So if I'm Byron Left, which with the success you've had in Tampa, maybe you wait for a better opportunity to come along. Like to me, I think you know, Minnesota's an opening, right? I think that's one where you would have more success immediately. You got a new GM coming in there. I just use it as an example because you've got Thielen, you've got Jefferson. Uh, You've got Dalvin Cook. I feel like there's certain situations that are far better than Jacksonville. I just don't know if I want to go into a place like Jacksonville at this point in time.
2: Kellen Moore, the third choice on this list at 650, along with the co-third choice, Nathaniel Hackett. Kellen Moore's name on a lot of lists, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys.
3: Listen, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. You know, it's one thing with a lot of these teams that bring in that have great talent. Are they bringing these players with them? We've seen it with the New England Patriots. How many of these guys have been successful uh, after they left the Belich- uh, Belichick and Brady regime?
2: All right, let's move on to the uh, Minnesota Vikings, where Eric Bieniemy, offensive mm-hmm. coordinator um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, former teammate of uh, Mike Pritchard, who hosts the show after ours here on the Visa Network, uh, is the favorite at 3-1, to co-favorite with Kevin O'Connell, Doug Peterson, Dougie Peep. 5-1, Kellen Moore, 550-1. to one, Brian Flores uh, at 8-1 to one for this job. Look, the first coach I'm hiring out
3: of every vacancy mm-hmm. I'm calling is Brian Flores. I think he's done a great job in Miami. I mean, he did it with Tua. Yeah. Imagine if you had a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. I mean, the success he could have. I know they got off to a slow start this year, but last year they made the postseason. Um Everyone else, to me, doesn't excite me, whether it's Biennemi, Peterson especially. I think Peterson's an absolute failure. I think you're going to find out this guy's going to be out of a job fairly quickly. He's going to be the Ty Willingham of the NFL. Yeah, When you look at, look, I just look at certain decisions that are made. When he ran a fake field goal against the Minnesota Vikings with the Eagles, and they ran it from their own, uh, about the Minnesota 30-yard line. There was eight seconds left in the half. Unless the play, which wasn't designed to score a touchdown, if it doesn't work, you don't even have enough time to run another offensive play. That kind of ineptitude, I'm not looking to bring in. I've I've said this all long, i said this to a friend of mine who's an athletic director. The first question I would ask in the interview process is, here's a test. Can you address how you would handle these game clock and management situations? Now, I don't care if you can coach the X's and O's if you don't know how to get to the finish line.
2: Well, he does carry a Super Bowl title with him, and I think that's going to land him a spot somewhere here this year. Well, you know George Seifert. I, I don't know if he's still with us, but he might. He's got two rings. Well, that's that. It's tough to compare Doug Peterson to George Seifert. Isn't that a little bit unfair, at all? <laughs> to who? George Seifert. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not unfair to Doug Peterson. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about the Denver job? Now, this of of all the uh, uh, of all the odds has the shortest shot, shortest favorite here. Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach and now Dallas defensive coordinator, plus two twenty five. Very short price here. Hackett at 6-1, to one, BNME 6 plus 650, Moore 9-1, to one, Jared Mayo 9-1, Doug Peterson and Brian Flores 10-1. to one. Of the jobs, let me say it right now to you, of the openings, which is the most attractive if you were out there looking for a job in terms of a head coach? Uh, Minnes- you've got, you got Minnesota, yeah. you've got Denver, you've got Miami, I won't even throw the Giants in there, and the Bears. Uh, I think the Giants is the most intriguing one, mm. because
3: I think you're in a division where you can get things turned around the quickest. When you look at Minnesota, you still have Aaron Rodgers there. Now, if Rodgers leaves, I think there's a great opportunity in the NFC North, especially Chicago or Minnesota. I would not want to go to the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes is going nowhere. Justin, by the way, did you not see Justin Herbert play? This guy is going to be a nightmare for another decade. And if you're in the AFC East, you've got to face Josh Allen and Buffalo and Mac Jones. I'm looking for a division where I can win. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Even even Carr here and with the Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to have six games where you're going up against top 12 quarterbacks. I would agree with you completely. Yeah. I think to me, I think the Giants because
3: I think they've got some decent pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I just don't understand, you know, Judge in terms of what he was doing there. I, I think he was completely uh, ill prepared for that job. But I think the New York Giants to me would be the place to go.
2: What, what, how do you evaluate Dan Quinn? I know it was a failed yeah. term. In, uh, it was a failed term in Atlanta. Successful, obviously, with Pete Carroll in Seattle. That's what got him to the right. to, on everybody's shortlist to get a head coaching job. Would you give Dan Quinn another shot? I think he's done a decent job with the Dallas defense this year.
3: I think he's done a very good mm-hmm. job because that defense was horrific last year. And the turnaround they've had has been unbelievable. Um, I, you know, for me, it really comes down to where you think you are defensively and what you can do. If I'm Denver, I actually want an offensive coach. I think defensively, they've got some good pieces in place. They're solid. But you need somebody that's going to be able to develop a quarterback because you're not going to go with Teddy Bridgewater for a long-term answer. We know Drew Locke is not the answer. So you're going to have to draft a quarterback. Can you develop them? And this is not the ideal draft board. So a lot of question marks in my opinion.
2: How about the Bears? Uh, I We're probably towards the sunset of that defense. Um, being an elite defense, I guess you need to believe in Justin Fields, right? If you wanted to take this job, you've got to be a big believer in Justin Fields. Brian Flores the favorite for this job at plus two fifty. Leftwich five to one. Doug Peterson seven to one. Matt Eberflus also on a lot of these lists. Defensive coordinator for the Colts at seven to one as well.
3: Well, for me it comes down to this, and it's a very simple thing. If you are prote- uh, possibly interviewing for this job, you have to believe in Justin Fields. If you don't, I wouldn't take this job because I think he's your guy next year and the next two years after that. So at least for two seasons, he's going to be your guy. So that's something to consider if you're looking at taking this job. And I think
2: that's what it simply comes down to. And then finally, the Dolphins, Brian Dobble plus 275, Mike McDaniel at 3-1, to BNME 550, Doug Peterson 550, Kellen Moore 6-1, to Byron Leftwich 12-1. to If you're Byron Leftwich, do you consider the Miami job instead of the Jaguars job? I do. Mm-hmm. I think you're in a tougher challenge there, though, with the AFC
3: East. But, hey, look. Both of these jobs in the state of Florida get the benefit of the state income tax. Oh, more importantly, though, I think Miami is better than people realize. I don't think they're as far away from Buffalo and New England as maybe people think. I think the key, though, is can they get a quarterback? Because I don't feel like uh, two is the answer there. And is Miami
2: going to be ready to move on from him? I want to talk about a couple of prop bets just for this weekend. Highest and lowest scoring teams. Um on just this weekend's game, who's going to score the most points in their games? The highest scoring team prop features the Chiefs as the favorite. Uh taking on Pittsburgh plus 350. The Bucks at home to Philadelphia is plus four dollars. Rams, Rams here, plus five fifty. I'm not so sure about that going against the San Francisco defense. Bengals plus five fifty against the Raiders. Cowboys plus seven dollars. Against the Niners, the Niners plus $9. Bills 12-1, to 1. Cardinals 14-1. to 1. I like two teams here.
3: I like the Buccaneers against Philadelphia. I think they're going to be able to score some points. And I think the Bengals against the Raiders. I think the other ones you mentioned, the Chiefs, I'm telling you, I think the Steelers' defense is going to play far better than they did that first time around against Kansas City. I think the Rams will be in a tight, tough, competitive game. Um, I think Dallas is going to be uh, challenged to move the football against San Francisco. I think the 49ers come to play. Uh, who do the Buffalo Bills have again? I forgot. They, they are bay, home to the no Patriots. Patriots. Yeah, they're not going to put up also emotion. bad
2: weather in that game. Now that's the interesting flip side of this, right? Because of the weather, eighteen degrees and wind. Lowest scoring team this weekend. Steelers are the favorite, three to one. Patriots plus four fifty. Eagles plus five dollars. Raiders six fifty. Cardinals eight to one. Bills ten to one. Forty Nine ers twelve to one. Cowboys sixteen to one.
3: I think the two favorites kind of stick out to me here. I like New England because the weather you alluded to, but I also think Buffalo defensively can uh, negate what they dis- uh, what they're able to do. Pittsburgh is an interesting one. I believe they'll play far better than they did. I mean, this is a team that really struggled in that matchup against Kansas City. I
2: might take a little shot with the Eagles at 5-1. to one. I didn't That's eat, not bad. You're going to consent run defense. It's yeah. really a bet on Hurts, right? you yeah. played Hurts with the 5-1 to one in that spot. All right, when we come back, it was a great night in college basketball last night and another intriguing night tonight, including an early matchup in the Big East. That's next on Odds On.
4: This is Odds On with Mike Palm
0: and Amal Shaw on VSIN the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in ten varieties, like spearmint, wintergreen, or Amal's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com/find to locate a store near you. That's zy.n.com/find. Warning: This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with. Amal Shaw on a Wednesday, and let's get into the college basketball slate today, Amal. And it starts off with a very good matchup in the Big East. This is 3:30, Pacific time on FS1 from the Centus Center. Villanova ranked 14th in country, takes on Xavier ranked number 17. Villanova, 11 and four, four and one in the Big East. They've won four straight since I watched that debacle in Omaha against Creighton. Xavier 12 and two overall, two and one in the Big East now. They played this game before in Philadelphia on December 21st. Villanova was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I believe you were on him that day. They beat uh, they beat Xavier 71-58. It comes back. Xavier now favored at home by one-and-a-half, a, a seven-point swing, with a total of them all down from 140-and-a-half on the overnight to 137.
3: Yeah, I didn't play this game. I think it's a good revenge spot here for X at the Sintas Center at home. Key for me is going to be how Paul Scruggs plays. He's got to be the catalyst on this team. Uh, Jack nunji has been a good contributor since he came over from Iowa. Nate Johnson, leading scorer also has to shoot the basketball. Well, if you're going to beat Villanova, you've got to do well in terms of perimeter, three point shooting uh, field goal defense. If you can do that, you got a great chance in this one. Connor Gillespie uh, has really done a great job for this team as this team continues to play well, but an important game in terms of the big East, Mike, if Xavier's going to make a push in this league, they've got to get this game at home against a team like Villanova. I think Villanova's good. Justin Moore, a terrific player, but, they're not as good as they've been in years past. And I think they're vulnerable in the league this year.
2: 4 p.m. on the ACC network from the Joel Coliseum, a team you've had your eye on all year, Wake Forest hosts Duke. Duke comes in ranked number 8th. Remember, they lost at home at Cameron on Saturday night to Miami 76-74. Uh 12 and 2 overall, 2 and 1 in the ACC. Wake already has played 5 ACC games. They're 3-2, 13 and 3 overall. Uh, They beat Florida State and Syracuse at home. This is their third straight home ACC game. Duke from four and a half on the overnight up to six. The total 152.
3: Yeah, I didn't play this game. Uh, I think it's a few too many points in the road for Duke. I know they're coming off the loss against the Hurricanes at uh, Durham on Saturday, but I think they uh, bounce back and get the win. But I think Wake covers this number. And I wouldn't be surprised at all, though, if Wake Forest wins this game. Alondis Williams has been outstanding for this team, averaging almost 20 points a game. Wake as a team is averaging 80 Duke is averaging 83. Mike, I like this game over, and I'm going to tell you one thing. There's no better team in college basketball when trailing, if you want to get a game over the total, than Duke. They do the smartest thing that every other non-intelligent team does. They just go to the basket and keep going and getting layups, and then they send you the free throw line, because you're not going to make every free throw. Instead of these teams who come down and chuck up off-balance three-point shots, So critical factor if you're looking at making a second-half bet on this game, or potentially uh, playing the total itself. I think 152 is too low. I think both teams like to play at pace and tempo. If they can knock down some shots, I think this one will cruise over the total.
2: Another rematch, 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Big Ten Network from the Breslin Center. Minnesota at number 10, Michigan State. Minnesota 10-3 and 3 on the year 1-3 and 3 in the Big Ten. They lost 76-53 versus Illinois at home and 73-60 at Indiana in their last two games. Michigan State, 13-2 and 4-0 and and oh in the Big Ten, just a half game behind Illinois. This game was played on December 8th in uh, in Minneapolis. Michigan State was a seven-point favorite. They covered, winning by eight, 75-67. Uh, now, 11-and-a-half point favorite at home.
3: Yeah, not enough of an adjustment here. I think the spread should be a little bit higher in favor of Sparty. I think Michigan State wins and covers. This Minnesota team... Not particularly strong, especially getting away from the barn. They were competitive in the first half against Indiana. Hoosiers were missing some shots. Gophers also knocked on some opportunities. But I'm not particularly high on this Michigan State team. I know they've gotten off to a fast start from a record perspective. I like Gabe Brown. I think he's their key guy for them. But overall, I'm just not sold on this team. Hauser's got to play well. Uh, Bingham, the big guy inside, is good in terms of the shot blocking and cleaning off the glass. So I think it'll be a challenge for Minnesota, who's not a great perimeter shooting team. I think this is one of those Michigan State games where they win somewhere between fourteen to seventeen.
2: Total of one thirty nine and a half. All right, we had a great basketball in the SEC last night. Big matchup tonight between two top twenty-five teams. Two top twenty teams will take place from the O dome in Gainesville. LSU ranked twelfth, fourteen and one, two and one in the SEC against Florida, who's lost both their SEC contests, comes in at nine and five. This is at four o'clock Pacific on ESPN True. This is really only the third true road game for the Bengal Tigers i uh, um, all they won at Georgia Tech and then their single loss was uh, at Auburn disappointing home loss in their last outing 83 70 to Alabama LSU uh, getting three on the road here in this spot this game on the overnight had LSU favored a four and a half point move with a total of 138 are you backing the Gators at home here.
3: I am not. Um, I think LSU's perimeter defense is outstanding. They really are great in terms of their field goal percentage defense as well. You mentioned that loss by Florida against uh, Alabama at home. I got no complaints about that. Alabama's a good basketball team. I think this league overall is far better than they get credit for. It's terrific at the top. But I think it's a tough game, and I feel like either side can win this one. Um, Gonna stay away from this one. I think if you see a team getting plus five and a half on an in game or better, I would take a look at that number. I, I think it's going to be tight, competitive down the end. I think Castleton inside, if he can stay out of foul trouble and convert when he gets opportunities, I think I'll, excuse me, Florida can win this basketball game at the O I don't like three. I think this number is right where it should be.
2: Would you have taken Florida plus a point and a half with it was on the overnight? I would not. I looked at it on the overnight. Mm-hmm. I, I thought this was a tough
3: game to call. I think I think Florida is competitive enough. I'm not a big uh, mid major Mike White guy. Uh, to me, when you look at his teams, they, they do well against you know opponents that they should beat. But when you match up against better teams, the in-game coaching is just not there. Uh, I think Will Wade's, Wade's team is far more athletic than people realize. And they're tough. They have some tenacity to them. Gators showed some toughness down in uh, Auburn the other day. But I'll tell you what, this is going to be another tussle, similar situation. But huge advantage being at home for Florida here, Mike.
2: LSU, very solid defensively. They're giving up 56.4 points per game. That's fifth best uh, in the country, better league, Big 12 or SEC? Top to bottom or top of the league? Total, in total. SEC.
3: Uh, in terms of, let me amend my statement. I think I'm wrong. Uh,
2: uh, let me ask you this. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way. Who will have more teams in the Sweet 16? Oh, the Big 12. Because at the top of the Big 12,
3: you've got three teams nobody wants to face. Kansas, Baylor, and Texas. Texas will guard you as soon as you come off the bus. Oklahoma found that out last night in Austin.
2: Yeah, Oklahoma like 12 points with three minutes left in the first half. Uh, I, was, I, I didn't watch the game. I was just checking the scores. Chris
3: Beard's team guards you from getting the water on your own bench. Okay, I mean, they are that good defensively. How about the
2: second tier? And by the second tier, I'm talking about Iowa State, Texas Tech.
3: Yeah, but that tier is not that far away from the top. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech is a very good defensive team. We saw what they did last night in Waco, an mm-hmm. incredible game. Iowa State loses on a last-second bucket by uh, Kansas uh, there at the Fog. Always tough to win there at the Fog, but these two teams are dangerous. They're really doing a nice job there. Who's the T.J. Otzelberger in yes. charge over there? He's done a terrific job. G- UNLV Absolutely, getting things turned around. <clears throat> Those five teams, um, I think Oklahoma State's a tough out. Tash Sherman back in the lineup for the Mountaineers last night. They did a great job at home in Morgantown. I, I, I'm going to change my statement. I'm going to go with the Big 12. I, I, you know what? I kind of left off Oki Light and, uh, of course, West Virginia there. I think this is a very competitive league. In the SEC – I love Big Blue this year. I know a lot of people are not as high on them. I think this team, Oscar Toshiba, yesterday, 30-10 and 10 in Vandy. This guy was unbelievable what he was able to do. But Wheeler's a terrific point guard, pass-first point guard, averaging better than seven assisted games. Uh, Kellen Grady can really shoot the basketball. They've got length. They've got size, which Kentucky always has. Alabama's really good. And I'll tell you right now. This Auburn team, what a road win in Tuscaloosa yesterday. I mean, that was one of the most impressive things so far in the entire college basketball season.
2: Think about Kentucky this year. is They're not that young team of all freshmen. Yes. This is a lot of transfers. This is an experienced team. To your point, Wheeler comes in from Georgia, Grady from Davidson,
3: and, of course, Oscar Toshibwe from West Virginia. This team is deep. They're big. They're talented. And the one thing I think that gets overlooked with John Calipari's teams, Mike, they can play defense. I think that's their one advantage that they have against teams like Auburn and Alabama is this. Auburn wants to pressure you and make you turn the ball over. Wheeler, I think, will excel in a situation like that. The SEC
2: tournament this year is going to be unbelievable. All right, let's go to the American Conference. Memphis at Central Florida. Memphis 9-5, and 3-1, and three consecutive conference wins. Since uh, Central Florida beat Michigan at home, they've they've lost two straight, including a disappointing loss to Temple as a big favorite. They're nine and four, one and two. This game goes at four p.m. from additional addition Financial Arena. Memphis Lane one on the road with a total of one fifty two and a half. That's up three points from the overnight. all
3: you know, I looked at this game and I really wanted to pull the trigger. I, I apologize. You said up three on the overnight. What was the original yeah, number? One
2: forty nine and a half to one fifty two. Okay.
3: Um, You know, to me, I wanted to take UCF in this game. I just couldn't do it. I like the way Johnny Dawkins' team is playing overall. They had a tough home loss against Temple. I was on UCF in that game. But I think this team is better than they get credit for. And the one thing I like with them is they can shoot the ball extremely well from beyond the arc, 35%. That'll be a key in this game. Can you uh, slow down inside uh, the Memphis squad? That's going to be the key.
2: We'll hit the rest of these games in the final segment of all. But coming up next, senior NFL writer and betting analyst for Yahoo Sports, our buddy, Frank Schwab.
0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on vsin, the sports betting
2: network. vsin has a new great offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new big game, big dance special provides vsin plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets email, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops guides plus full access to vsin.com with all of our exclusive betting split breakdowns in every game. It's one of the bet- most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. VEASAN.com slash big deal to sign up today. Welcome back in to Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw, and it's a Wednesday at 1130 Pacific Time, so that means it's Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, how are you doing today? Hey guys, what's going on? Let's talk a little uh, Let's talk a little wild card, but I, I I don't want to be remiss here and not Wishing you congratulations to your Milwaukee Bucks winning the 2021 NBA <laughs>
4: championship. It's, I, I watched. I watched Game Four like a, a week ago. It was amazing. You went was, to that game, right? Great. I was there. I was there. Yeah, it was the Giannis block game, and so I, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't watched it. So I was like, one day, I had nothing to do. I was like, it's still on the DVR.
2: Let's go. Is it too early to wish you congratulations on the Packers Super Bowl title?
4: <laughs> no, you know I'm not a Packers fan anymore, but I'll tell you this. You know, I don't get the pushback. I've talked about this on the show with you guys that, you know, everybody kind of wants to poke holes in the Packers. And I think that's a lot of DVOA and I I respect DVOA, but you see the Packers at ninth on DVOA and everybody starts to say, well, they're frauds. They're this, they're that. This is a team that was second best in the NFL against the the spread. There's nothing on their resume that tells you they're a fraud. There's nothing by the eye test that tells you they're a fraud. I, I think it's the Packers on a tier by themselves. And then you get the number two and you say, who's the second best team in the NFL? I don't know. I can tell you who the first best team is it's a green Bay Packers. I, I honestly don't see how people can debate that.
3: Frank, I completely agree with you. And if you got to rely on Devonte Adams dropping a third down pass to have a chance against this team, you're in trouble long-term. Right. I feel like that Absolutely. game, right. That was yep. a bit of an aberration. And you know, they didn't cap. I mean, they capitalized in the first half on the turnovers, but against the Browns uh, guys, I think having to go through Lambeau on two road games is going to be tough for any opponents to be able to beat this team. I think Green Bay gets the Super Bowl. They finish what they failed at last year.
2: Frank, I want to start off with the first match of the weekend, the 49ers at Cincinnati on Saturday afternoon. I want to start a two-part question. One, did you disagree with either Bisacci or Staley the way they handled the end of that fantastic game on Sunday night? And then secondly, we've seen some money now on the Raiders, down from six and a half, six now 5.5. Do you think this is too many points for the Bengals to lay at home? They did beat the Raiders by 19 in Las Vegas earlier this year.
4: Right. And and first of all, no, I I think the Bengals are the right side. Getting back to Sunday, I think they were both fine. Everybody wants to – look, if you want to get on Staley for going forward on his own 18, I get that. I don't see the whole overtime timeout thing. People are saying, oh, he's Chris Weber." The the Raiders were going to run off left tackle before the timeout. They ran off left tackle after the timeout. They just happened to gain 10 yards. We're like, well, okay, now we can just kick a field goal. Why not? Like, what did Brandon Staley's timeout have to do with that? Like, if if the Chargers stuffed the run – after the timeout, the Raiders just let time run out. Like it was stopping a run. It wasn't the timeout. So I thought that that, that whole thing is kind of nonsense to me. Uh, as far as the game goes, um, I, I think that the, the Bengals are a good team. I'm buying in. I, I think they were the hottest team of football coming down the last few games. I, I don't know, you know, momentum is such a tricky thing if all oh, actually, but sitting there, guys, in week 18, does that take away a little bit? Maybe, but. Look at them. They rested their guys, whereas the Raiders played probably the most emotional game of the season, at least, you know, tied for the longest game of the season, last play of overtime. They were on the field for hours, it seemed like the defense was. I don't know that you could just bounce back on a a Saturday afternoon. I I think that's a really big factor here. I think, I I don't know that necessarily the Bengals are going to blow them out off the jump, but in the second half, they might pull away. I, I think this Raiders team might be a little bit tired. I think their finish line was the playoffs and they got there they're a good team. I've been, you know, I, I've been questioning them for a while, so I shouldn't maybe keep doing that, but I don't know how they go into Cincinnati and win. And if I don't believe they can win, I'm just going to lay the points
3: here. Got a lot of things to address in Frank's comments. First of all, I want to start with the Chris Weber timeout to me. That has always been the fault of Jalen Rose. I never saw magic allow AC green to bring the ball up the floor. I never saw DJ allow (laughs) Kevin McHale to bring the ball up the floor for that's number one number two. The Chargers lost the game on third down and 23 when they couldn't stop the run. That cost them seven points on that drive before the end of the first half. Absolutely. You got to get off the field there. You got to get Justin Herbert the ball. And by the way, how good did Justin Herbert look in that game? And Mike's got a, Mike's got a plethora of game-related questions for you. I want to go to Brian Flores. Mike and I were fans of Flores. We couldn't believe he got fired. It's my understanding it was a bit of a power struggle in Miami. If you're Steven Ross, why are you making this move? I think Flores should be the top name on everybody's list who are looking for openings right now. I, I thought he did a good job there with a quarterback who refuses to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. I think in the right situation. And, and I'm going to throw one other thing out there for you. I think the New York Giants is the best job to take because in the NFC North oh. between the Bears and the and the Vikings, you still have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Devontae Adams. Unless Rodgers is walking away. I don't want the job in Miami because the Bills and the Dolphins. And w- what was the other one we had talked about? I think it was in the AFC no, West. the West. You don't yeah. want the Broncos. Job. I don't want the Broncos <laughs> job because you got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. Where are you going? I think in the NFC East, you can get things
4: turned around the quickest in the weakest division. I don't disagree with that. I really don't. I, I mean, I... Look, the Giants are kind of an underrated bad ownership situation, but I mean, most look, most of these teams with openings have pretty bad ownership. The Dolphins do. Trust me, I'm based in Denver. That's a fiasco right now at the family struggle. And they don't have a quarterback. Miami might not have a quarterback. The Giants don't either, but at least you probably come in and wipe the slate clean. You yeah. got a new G. So I can't disagree with you. I think the Bears really stand out as a team that might be a little bit better they do have the quarterback they they have a lot of things you you like to see and rogers ain't gonna be there forever like I, he might have another couple of years I, is he gonna do the tom brady maybe but i don't know I, I might go i might go bears there but i agree with you fully on flores i thought it was a weird move we don't know everything that was going on behind the scenes but you figure it out when you got a coach like that i really think he's a good coach and it says something when you fire somebody and they're immediately the number one guy on the market so yeah i think the dolphins are good.
3: Frank, to your point on the Bears, the one thing I would push back against, and I hate going against my guy uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, but I am not completely convinced he's the guy, and if you're taking that job, you've got to believe he's the guy, and yeah. if not, you're going to be stuck with him at least for two years. I know he's on a rookie deal, which is four, potentially five, but you got to see him play for two more years before you move on from him.
4: I, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. You're, you're married to that guy. You're not dating. You're yeah. married. You're going down with him one way or another. You can't get <laughs> – you ain't sweeping him out of there like Josh Rosen did, a, you know, back in the Arizona uh, thing. So I, I, I believe in him. I do. I just, I'm going to die in this hill. I think Joseph Fields is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I really do. I think his good was really good this year. He wasn't consistent, but he was a rookie. We saw just about every rookie struggle. I, I like Joseph Fields, and I'd be willing to hitch my, uh, you know, train to that way.
2: I hope you're right. Frank, I want to move to the game, probably the feature game of the weekend Sunday afternoon in Dallas, between the 49ers and the Cowboys, a great matchup of those battles in the NFC in the early 90s. Look, you picked uh, you picked the 49ers over the Rams when you were on the beating the book with uh, myself and Todd last weekend. But you have Dallas ranked as your third best team. Cowboys laying a field goal here. Are you laying it or taking it?
4: I'm taking the 49ers, and I think you're going to be able to get three and a half. No, no problem at all because I think the public money is going to come on the Dallas Cowboys just because they're the Cowboys for one and B. I don't think people have realized how good the 49ers have been because the one time we were really exposed to them in a big spot was that Tennessee game. And, you know, it was all LOL Jimmy G, all these interceptions. Well, they lost by three points to the number one seed in the AFC on the road. Like, is that really a bad loss? No, not really. And other than that, you know, they're 7 and 2 in their last nine games. Their defense is playing great. I mean, they, they hardly ever give up 300 yards in a game, much less they have not given up 400 in nine weeks. I, I trust their offense just because they're playmakers. Not necessarily Jimmy. I he's fine. He can he can get the ball to Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and all them. They can run the ball. I just think I think it's gonna be a three-point game either way. And I think the 49ers alive here. I think they got a shot. I not that I don't trust the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a good team too. But this is a coin flip game to me. And if you're gonna give me over a field goal in that, I'm fine. I, I'm good with that. A team that that keeps winning, keeps winning big games. They won at Cincinnati. They yeah, I mean, they They beat the Rams twice. This is not a team that's just got on that streak like the Dolphins got, where they're just beating bad opponents. They're beating good teams. And I believe in the 49ers. I think there's a very, very... The best of the wild card.
3: Completely agree with you on that one. I think the 49ers have a great chance. I make the argument Debo Samuel was one of the top three playmakers in the league. George Kittle's 1A or 1B. Bosa's been outstanding. We know how good Warner is, and the defense has played far better. Now, the question with San Francisco is, let's say they get past this game, because I think everywhere else they're as talented as anybody else. Do you believe Jimmy Garoppolo can get them back to the mountaintop of getting to SoFi Stadium here with his inconsistency?
4: I don't I don't love the idea of betting on it, but I can't rule it out. I mean, they're not one of these teams like the Eagles. Like, I look at the Eagles. No offense to the Eagles fans out there, but are they going to go to the Super Bowl? No, they're not. The Steelers are not going to the Super Bowl. I don't look at the 49ers that way. I look at it as, hey, you're going to have to catch some breaks here for sure. I mean, you can't turn it over. The defense needs to get home to the quarterback, all this kind of stuff. But I think that they're okay. They have a shot. Let's put it that way. I'm not sure. I don't think that they're cross them off yet. But I think they could make that. Run.
2: Frank, we got about 45 seconds here. The Chiefs demolished the Steelers in Arrowhead the Sunday after Christmas. They're going to rematch on Sunday night. 12 points. Is that too many? Are you going to lay it?
4: I'm laying it. I know it's big. But look, you go back, double-digit underdogs in the wildcard round are 2-8. and eight. There's a good reason for that. It is the biggest spread ever in the wildcard round. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers just, re- they've reached the finish line too. To get to the playoffs, Ben's last season, great. I don't, what's really changed since the first time they met. And I always do this with with rematches. Like sometimes it's a close game and I say, okay, a couple of things here and there. Steelers could, shouldn't be on the same field as the Chiefs the first time. And I don't think really all that much changes in the second.
2: Thanks for the time again, Frank. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Absolutely, fellas. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to have them all in the Palm Reader Playbook and we'll cover the rest of the college basketball slate.
0: If you dare. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on vSEN, the sports betting network.
3: BetRivers Sportsbooks take same football game parlays to a whole other level. Now, you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. Download the BetRivers app today or go to BetRivers.com. Playable in New Jersey as play sugar house, void where prohibited. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
2: Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with the Mall Shaw Mall, and everybody should be following your college basketball at this point. I mean, it was uh, Country Roads took you home last night. <laughs> the worst you did was the push uh, in that Mac game.
3: Well, they had a they had a lead at halftime. Uh, they had a one point lead, catching fourteen, and they end up uh, getting outscored by fifteen in that game.
2: And and M crushed. Yeah, A&M A and M rolled by. I think eighteen. That was the easiest
3: win. That was the easiest win of all. I, I thought that was a, it. Should not. I thought the four and a half was a little bit high, but I thought the yeah. line should have been three and a half. But Still a good one there. You've got actually three plays for us tonight. Yeah. Uh, Seven, one and one on the year. Go ahead. Take it away. Let's start with Duquesne. Now the Dukes on the road here. Uh, Keith Dambrod's team, really good defensively, but they can really shoot the basketball. That's what I like about this team going up against Fordham up at Rose Hill gym tonight in the Bronx. I like uh, Duquesne to get this one done minus two and a half in this one. And then, Virginia hosting Virginia Tech. I thought this number was a little bit short. Uh, in Charlottesville at JPJ, I like Virginia minus a point and a half against their in-state rivals here against the Hokies. And then I mentioned it earlier: Duke Wake Forest over 152. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And on the off chance that Wake is ahead at the end of the in the final two minutes by five or six points, we'll see a plethora of fouls and opportunities to go to the free throw line.
2: All right, let's turn to the Palm Reader playbook. We were one and one. Yesterday, Fulham with the late touchdown, putting that game over. Jesus but if people Christ. were listening, betting reading under a, a half goal was right. They did get shut out. But we couldn't get there with the total game three. And then uh, they couldn't get up after the gunshot wound to the face on that Texas game. Texas Tech, Baylor, first half under, went yeah. under under pretty easily there. What, I'm gonna, what'd they end up at, 57? 57. I said 59 you last night. Yeah. yeah. 60, 63 and a half was the total. All right, I'm going to take a shot in this Big East game. I like Villanova on the road here. I'm going to take plus 105 on the money line. To beat Xavier, I think they figured it out here after that embarrassing loss at Creighton. They've played really well. I still think they're the best team in the Big East and love the way Jay Wright dresses. And then let's go to a hockey game. Kraken Stars, first period, under one and a half, plus 120. I debated on playing this under six, minus 120. I'm going to go first period here. Grubauer Bauer with the Kraken. Ottinger will be in net tonight for the start. The Dallas Stars are the best defensive team in the league for the first 55 minutes of each game. Have you seen their last two games? They were up two nothing on the uh, two nothing on the Penguins and blow that game three two and then they're up one nothing in the last five minutes on the Blues and blow that game two to one, giving up late tying and, and then game winning goals. I'm gonna take a little shot here. I like the price plus one twenty. I don't think the Kraken score, so let's hope Dallas don't get two.
3: Yeah, the uh, Stars for me have not been good in terms of staying under the totals in the uh, home arena. That game against the Penguins, there was a game. I don't know if they play back to back in a scenario because penguins are up to nothing they blow a lead and they give up a couple of late goals in that one and get over the total um you mentioned this villanova game look i think it's gonna be probably the second best game of the night um uh, to watch uh the lsu florida game seems like the most intriguing one to me on paper but i I think it's gonna be a terrific game and they have a good crowd at Sintas. that's why i didn't take nova in this
2: one okay let's get back to the college basketball slate here amal uh let's go to the acc both the conference and and the and the, the building's former name, the Athletic and Convocation Center, also the Joyce Center, and now they have the Purcell Pavilion. It'll always be the Joyce Center to me, though. This is 4 p.m. at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Clemson comes a call in. The Tigers, ten and five overall, two and two in the ACC. Notre Dame, nine and five, but three and one in the ACC. Clemson has won the last two on the road, including at the JPP at Virginia. Um... And at NC State, Notre Dame has won five straight. Um, and they're two three-point now home favorite here over Clemson with a total of 137.5. That's down from the overnight of 140. Do you think the Irish can keep it rolling here?
3: I think it's going to be a tough game. Brad mm-hmm. Burnell's team is a good team defensively. P.J. Hall has been good inside. But really the key for me with this Clemson team is the perimeter, Mike. Forty percent. And, you know, you look at this team from the outside, guys are going to take three-point shots. The majority of them are at 38 or better. They, they really have been outstanding, some in the mid-40s. So it's going to be a challenge here for Notre Dame, but they're always tough at home. Um, one of the better shooting environments in college basketball is in South Bend. Total seemed a little bit high simply based on the style that uh, Clemson uh, employs, and I think that's why you saw it come down. Didn't touch this game, but I think this is going to be another late,
2: good finish game. All right, let's go to the Mountain West Utah State at Colorado State. This game is at 5 o'clock Pacific time on CBS uh, Sports from the Moby Center in Fort Collins. Utah State 10-5, 1-1 in the Mountain West. Colorado State suffered their first defeat, 11-1, 1-1. And and they got run out of the Viejas Center, 79-49 to 49 on Saturday. They do have a seven-game home winning streak. Utah State won at home against New Mexico, 90-87 in their last game. Lost on the road Um, to Air Force in a low-scoring game that had under 100 points the game before that. Colorado State up a point here in the overnight, minus 5.5. The total up two points, 149.5.
3: I like CSU. I like the Rams here at the Fort. Um, I think when you look at this team offensively, what they're able to do, Roddy's been unbelievable inside. He's terrific. Mike, that's not the key for me. Okay, I'm going to give you some stats real quick. David Roddy, their leading scorer, 74% the free throw line. Stevenson afterwards, 88%. Uh, Tony at 84%, Thomas at 89%, Moore at 84%, Lake at 84%, Jacobs at 84%. This team is 81% from the free throw line, better than 40% at the three-point arc. I love the way they shoot the basketball, averaging 83 points a game. I think Utah State's in trouble. Bean's going to have to have a big game. He's going to have to go for 20-plus tonight if Utah State's going to be competitive. I didn't play this game. Um, It was a little bit high for me at 5.5. I was hoping the number would come back at about 4.5, Mike. I think the Rams, though, end up rolling away. I will have them in a money line parlay. I'll probably put them with someone else. I think CSU absolutely is the
2: class of this league this year. I think we need to note that SDSU doesn't lose at the Viejas Center. If they do, it's Uh, once a year. They are. Let's take Gonzaga
3: out of the equation because of how great they are in the WCC. Including UCLA on the West Coast, I don't know if there's a better team, and I'm not talking about when uh, Luke was at McHale. There's not a better team on the West Coast at home than San Diego State at the Viejas Center.
2: I missed that game on Saturday. That line was two and a half. I didn't like it. I, yeah. I, I, I wanted to see it from San Diego State. Yeah, you, you actually leaned Colorado yeah, State. Yeah, I on Colorado show. State. Yeah, absolutely. Seventy-nine forty-nine final. Well, I mean, they kept it within forty. Yeah, but that was a that was the second half where they really routed him. It was close. Yeah, it the was first close. Half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the Big East, 5:30 p.m. and a great triple header on FS1 tonight. This from Gamble Pavilion, St. John's at UConn. St. John's one and one in the Big East, nine and four overall. UConn ten and four, one and two in the Big East. St. John's hasn't won a true road game this year. I'm all there, 0 oh, three. Um, UConn won at Marquette and then lost in overtime at Seton Hall, 11 points. The Huskies are laying here in this spot with a total up from 150 on the overnight to 152 and a half.
3: Uh, I'm not surprised the total has gone up. Both teams are more than comfortable getting up and down. RJ Cole has been outstanding. The transfer, he has done a terrific job for this team. You know, the one thing that surprised me a little bit with uh, UConn is the way they shoot the ball from the perimeter, 36%, but inside not as effective. But this is going to be a tempo game. They should get some good looks against St. John's. It can be poor in transition defense. Can you uh, force Posh out Alexander and some turnovers, then I think UConn blows them out. No play here. I think this number is right about where it should be. If you said I had to play the game, Mike, I would lean towards the Johnny's catching 11. But I like this number moving towards the total over. It's going to be a sloppy type of game the way St. John's and Mike Anderson like to make it. Should be a high-scoring game.
2: You gave out a play on this next game already, but I want to ask you about the total. 6 o'clock on ESPN2 from the JPJ, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Virginia Tech has lost four straight ACC games going back to last year. 0-3. Uh, in the ACC, eight and six overall. This is a down Virginia squad, nine and six, three and two. Got routed at the Dean Dome on Saturday. I want to ask about the total, one seventeen and a half. This is not the defensive skill team Virginia in recent years. I lean over here. Your thoughts on that?
3: I I can appreciate where you're coming from, but this is not just about the Hokies. This is about the Cavalier. Excuse me, not just about the the Cavaliers. This is about the Hokies as well. They are a very good defensive team, and they can really lock you down. I, I'm not going to touch this game, Mike. I'm telling you right now, this game feels like it's going to be played in the 50s. I, I wouldn't play this game over at 117 and a half, but I get your point because it's not a ton of points to be able
2: to get over that total. I, I'm just telling you, watch out for the Hokies defensively. Okay, one more game here. This is in the Mountain West as well. Boise State at Nevada. This finishes off the triple header on FS1, 7:30 p.m. Pacific time from the Lawler Event Center in Reno. Boise State 10 and four overall, one and zero in the Mountain West. Nevada, UNR, 7-5 overall, 1-0 in the in the Mountain West. Nevada's win is 79-70 over New Mexico. Boise, 65-55 over Fresno. Here's the thing. That's both teams' last game. Boise last played December 28th. Nevada last played uh, on January 1st. Boise catching one on the road here. This is a switch of favorites. Boise was one-and-a-half favorite on the overnight. Total up. Seven points from 139 to 146.
3: Agree with the line move. I like the Wolfpack, particularly the backcourt with Sherfield and Cambridge. They're terrific. Combined averaging about 36 points a game. And I like the fact that these guys can knock down free throws and they have the basketball in their hand in late-game situations. I'm going to go with Nevada here, the Wolfpack
2: at home. I tell you, I watched that Fresno-Boise game, yeah. 65-55. I don't think I could play Boise over 146. It's rough to watch that basketball. <laughs> There's no transition game. I know it's a different opponent, right, in UNR, but I could never pull the trigger on that. All right, thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned to The Network. Coming up next, we have Betting Across America.